Are dents and scratches putting a dent in your day? Introducing Rogerstein Crash Repairs Adelaide, your trusted solution for automotive woes. With over two decades of expertise, Rogerstein Crash Repairs guarantees top-notch service, restoring your vehicle to its former glory in no time. From minor dings to major collisions, our skilled technicians handle it all with precision and care using state-of-the-art equipment and techniques. Rogerstein Crash Repairs saved my car. It looks brand new. Fast, friendly and reliable. I wouldn't trust anyone else with my vehicle. Don't let accidents slow you down. Visit Rogerstein Crash Repairs Adelaide at 14 Penner Avenue, Glind for quality service you can count on. And here's a special offer just for our listeners. Mention this podcast and receive a $100 discount on your repair. Roger Steen Crash Repairs Adelaide. Excellence in every repair. Your, what's your best moment from that uh, 82 grand final? Um, there was a particular time in halfway through the second quarter where um, Fozzie, and I think it was about, we're kicking to the uh, the southern end in the second quarter, and we come off the first quarter being a goal or two up, but we took the game by just full on. And uh, it, it was just a, a time when Fozzie kicked this goal. It was about 15 or 20 minutes into the second quarter. Yeah. Out, I looked at him middle, and, yep. and I looked at him, yeah, and came up to him and we both had this huge smile on our face because we could tell we, and, and look, I don't want to be too confident here or arrogant, um, but you know you've, you know it when you know it and that would have to do something extraordinary to beat us after that goal and I knew it and the way that Fozzie and the other players reacted at the time, it was, uh, it was a great feeling. You never stopped playing, <laughs> but you just were so confident that it gave you this amazing sort of level of capability, I guess, to do things extraordinary, which a lot of players did in that team. I, I can't remember the week prior to that when we were at training. We were training at full pace. Ball's been kicked at us and nothing touched the deck. It was just extraordinary. We were so switched on, uh, fit, and in time with each other, it, it was a, a great, great team. Sportscast SA presents Game On. Game On. South Australia's destination for everything sports. Local, national, and international sports. AFL football, soccer, basketball, golf, baseball, tennis, cricket, and any other sports played in this wide world. And we're going to have a blast doing it. So sit back, relax, and let's do this thing. Welcome to Game On. Welcome to Game On. My name's Pete, once again, joined by Malcolm. And Rick was uh, kind enough to regale some of his exploits there in the 82 Grand Final and not touching the ball, not touching the ground during grand final week. That's pretty much where teams want to be peaking, isn't it? Yeah, no, they were very, 
Very good. I, I admit I was probably as confident uh, going into that grand final, pretty relaxed getting there. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, we certainly de- Nord certainly delivered the chocolates on that day. And you can sort of almost sit back and not relax completely, but you, you can look at your teammate and think, hey, we, we've, we've got this. We, yeah. We're going to do it. So yep. absolutely fantastic for Rick to share his thoughts and, and memories of, of that game. And um, we thank him once again. We might cover that similar sort of topic later too. We will. Right? We will. Yeah. All right, let's get into it. Around the Grounds. And a little bit later, we're going to have a little bit of a look at the soccer, the SNFLW. We're going to touch base on the rugby again, but we're going to kick off with the AFL. Round three, mate. Uh, completed. Let's talk about the showdown. Key points for the showdown, do you reckon? Rob O'Brien, who is an honest battler, giving Lysett a pants-down job. Yep. I thought was absolutely crucial. Mm-hmm. Um Port's matchup, Rankin, Jonas starting on Rankin was a bit bizarre for yes. mine. Um, and I think probably it was a good game. There was a ebbs and flows yep. both teams. Which you were going to expect to happen but, you know, from either team. Power Pepper kicks that goal in the last quarter. Mm-hmm. And then there's there's a Rioli dropped the mark, a sitter of a mark, which would have put Port eight points up. And then there was a competition and Rankin pickpocketed the ball Goes forward, Murphy marks and kicks the goal. Yep. And then the Crows dominated the last 10 minutes after Absolutely that. Absolutely amazing that how it was close back and forth yeah. and then all of a sudden it was almost like the, the Crows got that self-belief that, no, we're not going to let this happen. And Port just sort of went, hang on, where did that come from? Yeah, fell away. Uh, there was, you know, just they absolutely dominated that last 10, 15 minutes. So you mentioned O'Bri- O'Brien a little bit earlier. Uh, he had a... Unbelievable start to the game and probably set the tone a little bit for the he Crows. Did. He did. As you know, I admit I'm not a huge Rob O'Brien fan. Mm-hmm. Um, look, he tries hard. Absolutely. But just his ruck craft hasn't improved, which is a big beef of mine. Yep. Um, but he was very good last week. I've got to, got to give him his due. Absolutely. He, he seemed to grow in confidence in putting bo- uh, the ball in positions for players a lot better once he got on top. It was almost that self-belief that, yeah, I can do this and, and, and need to do this. And, you know, wondering if that's a well done on, on Rob or was Lysett that poor, a bit of both, I suspect. Potentially. Uh, Thilthorpe comes back into the team, yeah. um, you know, <laughs> calls that he should never play a oh, NFL football again. He I certainly, think, yeah. I think we agree on that one. That's that's no-brainer no there. Um, Rankin, his first showdown and turns on an absolute beauty. And he probably really, him or Thilthorpe, Thought should have won the medal. That was, uh, yeah, yeah. I thought Dawson was good call. early on, though. Yeah. When the he was. when when the game was ebbing and flowing a little bit, he was the that almost that Rory Sloan of a few years ago, where he was Mister Fixer. Yeah, and well, he would go here, there, and everywhere, and that's sort of where he was early on. No, he was very good. In fairness, there, but it was still seemed to be a bit of a weird call. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, any other surprises from round three for you? Well, Western Bulldogs beating Brisbane was a little bit of a surprise. Yep. Um, Collingwood was predictable. Mm-hmm. Hawthorne North Melbourne was always a toss to coin. Yep. GWS Giants and Carlton will come back. We'll come to back that to later. that a bit later on. Yep. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. St Kilda and Essendon was a little bit of a surprise for me. Yeah, a little bit. Only because you you, you think that St Kilda have got all these injuries at the moment, and yeah, all of a sudden it's true. like. You know, and and Essendon have been up and about for a couple of weeks as well. So, but the big one for me, and I think you're going to 
you're going to point it out now is yeah. Geelong and the Suns. Yeah. And look, Gold Coast have been reasonable at home. You know, it, it wasn't a, a lay-down bazaar in terms of tipping. I think we all went, well, Geelong will go Geelong because they need to win. Yeah. But it wasn't. And you thought they had a bit more class. Yeah. But, but yeah, you're right. Um, so a great result by Gold Coast. And, you know, they've now got a big game down in Melbourne this week. So probably Melbourne defeating Sydney so easily was yep. a surprise. Yep. And then... Well, we'll get to the last game of yeah. the round, which was the Derby. Yeah. West Coast absolutely decimated with injuries to the point where uh, Simpson's come down to the bench to try and give his players some encouragement and, and you know help them on their way. And it's like, hang on, <laughs> I've got no one to send on here. It was almost like they should have done anyone out of the crowd when it got your gear. Can, you can go on and have a kick. A kick. It, does, it was incredible. It does raise an interesting point where... Um, not not in this particular situation, but can you replace players uh, through a mid-year draft? And that was something that's come up again this week. Collingwood, obviously, with their ruck issues. Yeah. West Coast are, are almost in the same boat where they could probably quite easily pinch a couple right now or in a couple of weeks' time to be able to help them out. Yeah, as long as it's within the AFL system, I, I hate it mm. from outside and it decimating other competitions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, as an SNFL yep. waffle follower, yep. obviously, yeah, I admit I'm far more interested in SNFL than Absolutely. AFL. Yeah, yeah. Um, that that really just hurts teams at, at SNFL level. I, so I, I totally agree that. with the mid-season draft being taken out of other leagues. I think yes. the AFL can do it quite easily within uh, teams that are already structured up. Uh, with 40 or 41 players or whatever they've got on their list uh, these days, which changes from year to year at the moment. Um, so, yeah, I agree that uh, you could follow a, a basketball slash uh, American football where you can loan, or soccer, where you could almost loan a player for a short period of time. Yeah, but, and then the but then there's got to be worked out. Exactly. Yeah. And, but then there's intellectual properties for yeah. each team. So there's a little bit of work yeah, to be done is, there. So it's a bit argy It is indeed. All right, we move on to round four. Um, let's go through them quite quickly. We've got... Uh, Thursday night footy back again for the fourth week in a row. Brisbane v Collingwood, traditional sort of Easter Thursday game up at the Gabba. Yeah, and again, it's a toss the coin. Mm-hmm. You could easily go you know, either side, Collingwood with no Ruckman, um, Brisbane at home. Do you expect Brisbane to bounce back? They should, and look, they've only played one game at home and beat Melbourne, so that's Good form there in that way and yep. been disappointing their two away games. And yet Collingwood continue to surprise us. Yeah, look, you almost can't tip against Collingwood at the moment. <laughs> it's a little bit like that, isn't it? Yeah. So who's your tip on that one, mate? We'll, we'll whiz through them. So on that regard, therefore, I'll obviously go, go for Colling- Brisbane. Oh, Brisbane, there you go. Uh, I might go for yeah, Collingwood yeah, on I that pro- one. So. I admit I probably will go Collingwood. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, teams are out. There hasn't been too many changes. No, so no. Uh, both sides looking to... Um, Bit of stability and hopefully they win. So you're going to go Brisbane. Look, I might change actually and go Brisbane as well. So home home team. So all right, Friday, uh, Good Friday. Uh, North Melbourne and Carlton trying to make Good Friday their own. I'll go Carlton. I'll go Carlton as well. Uh, being a Blues man, I I think they're just going to have a bit too much firepower up forward. Really, at the end of the day, and especially with yet again the brothers don't play against each other. Mm-hmm. The bizarre bit of the McKays. So yeah. Incredible. Funny, that one. Maybe uh, one team's trying to poach the oh. other one and saying, don't don't play against us. All right, we move on to Saturday, uh, Adelaide v Frio at the Adelaide Oval. Back-to-back back games for Adelaide at home. The old in doubt, so you tip the home team. Mm-hmm. 
but I'm actually going to go for Frio. I still think they're more advanced in their development than Adelaide, but mm-hmm. Frio so far have been far from convincing. Lost to St Kilda and North Melbourne, and then last week were blessed with the West Coast injury run. Yep. So, again, toss the coin job. Fair enough. Um, look, I jumped off of Adelaide last week only because they burnt me in the first couple of weeks, and they were very impressive in the last round. You're right, Fremantle have struggled a little bit so far. Uh, Adelaide at home, coming off of a showdown though, and this has been yeah. a real problem for them in previous years. Can they back it up? Not sure, no. but I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to go to the Crows. Yep. All right, Richmond Western Bulldogs, MCG. Want to see the teams before that? So mm-hmm. that may change. I'll go Richmond at this stage. I'll go the Bulldogs at this stage. Same deal. Wait for the teams to come out. Uh, huge game in context of what happened last week to both of these teams. Sydney v Port Adelaide at the SCG, 7 o'clock Saturday night. Now, Port have a great record against Sydney. Unbelievable. I think they've won their last seven. Mm-hmm. Um, but well, Sydney had the same sort of uh, winning record against Melbourne, Melbourne in the last yeah. little bit. So yeah. sometimes form can be yeah. uh, completely out of the wall there. But do you expect a response from Port Adelaide? Oh, yes. But I just think, you know, I'm not sure why they'll go and ruck. Will they have the courage to drop Lysette and play young Tickle? Mm-hmm. Where, bizarrely, they played him as a defender in the SNFL last week. Yep. Um, or go with Hayes. Yep. So, I'll go Sydney. I'll go Sydney at home as well. I think uh, they're going to be um, red hot after losing to Melbourne. They get a chance to come back home. Um, you know, they had an emotional um, um, uh, presentation around, yep. for uh, a couple of their Top, top supporters. Yes, uh, Kenny passed away, yeah. yes, uh, and dedicating a couple of seats to, yep. to the family there. And um, I, I just think that they're coming home at the right time and I'm going to pick Sydney as well. Yep. All right, finish out uh, Saturday night, uh, St Kilda v Gold Coast Suns, Marvel Stadium. You'd have to pick. You have to pick, pick St Kilda. Stage, yeah. Could Gold Coast upset two weeks in a row? I'd give them a genuine chance, you know, because of all St Kilda's injuries, but... You have to go St Kilda at the stage. Talk a local SA lad uh, that is currently playing for the Gold Coast Suns. Lukosius had a, a, yes. a bit of a breakout game as well, and that, that bomb that went 70, 80 metres was mighty impressive. Precocious Lukosius, he's a, a lot of ability. He played a lot down back last year, actually. Okay. So I, I've always really rated the kid. Let's so. talk hypotheticals, and we, we don't like to talk yeah. too many hypotheticals, but if he was to come to, say, the Crows... Where would he fit in with the likes of Rankin, Fogarty, Thilthorpe? Whether he played full forward and then Thilthorpe plays centre-half forward and Fogarty then plays from the pocket and floats yes. and that is a possibility. or Because that's the future there. No. I mean, Walker's coming to the end of his career. Or he plays down back. But well, and if Gold Coast are going to play him down back, they're going to get a pretty good look at how he is defending. And the Crows need a defender. Two years, well, t- two years' time. Yep. 2024 draft. Yep. Tyler Welsh, Scott Welsh's son. Yes. I rate him massively. What do you think about Borlase? I saw a bit of the SNFL last week. Ready for AFL level yet? Not quite. Seems the right size, though. Yeah, there is, there's been improvement. Um, it, I admit it was interesting. I commentated Nord 18s against Woodville West Torrens on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And Jack Michael Annie. Yes. Dead ringer a max. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see his progression. He's probably a little bit behind where Max was mm-hmm. at the same age. 
But, geez, he did some so similar things. A couple of marks, he floated in front, the running style. Perfect. Everything is exact reprint. Well, I, we... I, I said to Jim at halftime, I said, geez, this just, you just press the reprint button. <laughs> All right, so Lukosius in a couple of years, yeah, potentially uh, Welsh in a couple Welsh. of years, and uh, maybe another Michael Annie on the uh, maybe. on the on the list as well. All right, no, we move. I'm generally excited about Tyler Welsh. Fantastic. We'll keep an eye on that one uh, throughout the season, actually. Mm-hmm. All right, we move on to Sunday. SNV GWS Marvel Stadium. If in doubt, go the home side. So I'll go Essendon. I'll go Essendon as well, but I think. Yeah, GWS have been a bit unlucky yeah, the last couple no, of weeks. Either way, we, we're going to talk about yes. the the Carlton yes, um, GWS game later on. Yep. Um, and but I, I think they've been a bit unlucky, and it took a little while to get going against the Crows. But generally, they were uh, they were pretty good. Yep. All right, and to finish, uh, no, not to finish out uh, the round, but to finish out Sunday, we've got West Coast v Melbourne uh, over at Optus Stadium. Melbourne. I think you've got to pick Melbourne as well. And uh, the traditional Monday, Easter Monday clash between Geelong and Hawthorne. I know they still haven't won, but I'm still going to tip Geelong. I think Geelong are going to turn it around. We'll talk about Geelong a little bit here. We talked about them being one of the biggest surprises this weekend. This weekend. But are they missing Joel Selwood? Yes, massively. I think a lot more than a we lot all realised. Yeah, we, we brushed on it last week a little bit, but I think... His leadership, he's a, he was elite. We all acknowledge that. Yep. But you now wonder, geez, how much influence did he have on structures, making sure everyone was in the right spot? Yep. The general. Yeah, look, I, I do. We, we all acknowledge he's a champion, mm-hmm. but he may well have been even more important than we realised. I actually heard Timmy, Timmy G on the radio tonight uh, from 5AA on the way home, and he was talking about uh, some of those exact issues there with directing uh, players into yep. certain areas. And Macca wasn't available for one of Nord's games. And he turned around and he said, we're going to have a good day today because I could get into the opposition and say, you haven't got anybody to direct you. Yeah. What are you guys going to do? I think we're sort of seeing that from Geelong, aren't we? Yep. Yeah. Paddy Dangerfield is the leader. Yeah, and I'm not sure his, body's, his body seems to be struggling a bit as well at the yeah. moment. So, um, yeah. So we're going to go Geelong v Hawthorne yeah. there. All right, mate. We move on to uh, the SNFL round one results. Yeah, uh, look, um, Eagles very good for I, I've got to say the Eagles were very good while Nord were disappointing. Yep, I was very impressed with the Eagles. Um, it was almost a carbon copy of the trial game against the Eagles. Yep, and they were just way too good. I, at this stage, again, hypotheticals early on in the season, I'm sort of seeing the Eagles and probably North Adelaide as the two yes. teams at and this Adelaide. stage. And, and Adelaide, obviously, depending on what happens with the and AFL side up and down and and the merry-go-round that happens there. Um, I agree. Um, the Eagles are impressive at the moment and look like they're, they're just sort of going to get off to a good start to the season. Against Norwood. Um, North Adelaide v West Adelaide. This was a bit of a grind. Yeah. Um, we sort of expected North Adelaide to, to go out there and, and, and give uh, West Adelaide a little bit of a, a touching up. But they were in it for most of the day and really ground out a, a pretty good game in the end. Yeah, yes. You just wonder on that. Just the, the lower-ranked side could just compete, force ball up and North's Greater class then doesn't come through. Let's wait and see a few rounds. Absolutely. Did North Adelaide uh, just just tick tick along rather than hit it into high gear? Yeah, yeah fair enough. All right, uh, South Adelaide defeating uh, the Bulldogs. Yeah, pretty convincingly. Um, 
South have got a few nice recruits, yeah, actually. No, a couple I've, of ex-AFL players as well. I think they're going to be pretty hard to beat. Absolutely. Uh, Sturt v the Tigers. Now, this was the one for me that was going to potentially shape the uh, or how the top five would look. Uh, Sturt ended up doing it quite easily. Yeah. and Home, ga- home, home ground. ground. Uh, launching of the new uh, facilities there at Unley Oval or Wigan Wigan Oval, which look absolutely fantastic. We're hoping to get a live broadcast there yeah. at some stage this season, so we'll uh, we'll keep working on Sturt for that. Yeah, and I'm probably going to I'm um, got a game on Friday, but it, I'm doing Woodville West Torrens game. Mm-hmm. But I, I just on the times, I reckon I can get see the first quarter of the under 16s at Unley on Good Friday, so. Mm-hmm. I'll have a look have at the a really good look. Yeah. yeah, I haven't been there since they've completely finished it, but um, from what I've seen on the outside there, it looks really, really good, and they're uh, starting to hold some pretty good functions. And Adelaide uh, really gave Port in yeah. showdown, pre-showdown, uh, SNFL showdown, a bit of a touch-up. Yeah. Where does that leave both those sides? Uh, we talked about briefly what? last week in that Adelaide have a lot of similar players Similar age, similar standard, whereas Port have got a little bit of a fluctuating yeah, group. a bit of a gap. Gap, yeah. Um, so it was as we predicted. Yep. Um, so I actually wasn't that surprised in the margin. I've no. got to be. I've okay. got to be fair. I was surprised with the margin. Yeah, and no, I, I thought, wasn't surprised that Adelaide won. I them. thought Adelaide would win pretty easy. So yep. Yeah. How does that go then? For you know, obviously, where the development stage of Adelaide is at the moment versus the Port Adelaide. This we're talking AFL here. Yeah. Where does that leave Port Adelaide if they do get a few injuries? Does that leave them even more vulnerable than what they already are? I think that's the thing that they're probably they're lacking the guys who've probably played fifty odd games. Like a Sam Mays has gone to North Adelaide, you know, yep. delisted from North. That sort of player, mm-hmm. the backup sort of a bit, and yeah, so like like Lysett's struggling, yes. but they've got Hayes who's played seven games. And Tico, who's played one or two games, yep. so they're probably they're they're not sure what to do in okay. that regard either. So. so they're a little bit vulnerable, yeah, I think as so. it sits right now. Yep. So Adelaide are on the other side of it, where you know they've got Berry, who's going to be look looks like Berry's going to be out this week with an injury, but Himmelberg had an absolute cracker in the SNFL. It's a swap for you know swap for swap oh, basically. I Him- no, I don't think Himmelberg. Uh, not Himmelberg, sorry. Uh, Schoenberg. Schoenberg, yeah. sorry. Yeah. My apologies on that one. Uh, Schoenberg had an absolute yeah, he uh, come back in. cracking game in the SNFL. Yeah, they're not quite the, exactly the same no. player, but they can rejig the structure a little bit. So you've got players that are in that area there I where they have played those 30, 50-odd games and can pe- come in and do a job. I reckon peddlers are loss and Adelaide with that one, They've almost got their just desserts. I, I thought they were ridiculous appealing McCadden Smith. They should just warn that. Instead of worrying that mm-hmm. someone from another club had got two, wash it out, I get yep. got three. Instead of going, no, he was ill-disciplined, he was dumb, let's be honest, with this one, yep. I actually think they had a chance to down, get that downgraded. Absolutely. And it would have been a fine. I, that was far more for mine than what they did. I, I, I think they've judged those two really poorly so I, far. I looked at that one and was not as critical for the, the tackle, no, the head exactly. contact. Uh, and I thought when I heard one week, I'm like, well, surely you would challenge that because that's going to get downgraded to a, a fine. Fine, which, uh, which, which Gold Coast did last week. Yes. So I, I, I reckon Adelaide are batting 0 out of 2 big time there. 
Change of legal counsel, possibly. Mm. See how we go. All right, let's move on to round three. Nord v Sturt. Nord Oval, Thursday night. I hope I'm wrong, but I'll go Sturt. I just think we're a bit behind with guys with not new guys not knowing the structured spots. Yep. And early on in the season. Missing still Josh Richards, Pierce Seymour, and players still underdone. And that Jack Herb was underdone. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, wait and see. The only thing I will say that Nord actually were reasonable in the first 15 minutes last week and missed four set shots. Okay. So they actually had a bit of the ball early. but The uh, Crow syndrome there. Yeah. <laughs> missing missing yeah. some pretty easy set shots. Uh, oh, I'm going to go stir, but I, again with you, I hope they're wrong. But, yep. um, yeah, you're right. They're just a touch underdone at the moment. But um, it's a long season and we've only had one round, yeah. uh, a couple of rounds in. Um, and certainly uh, Twig's got a little bit of uh, currency there as yes. far as getting players up yep. uh, as the year goes on. Uh, West Adelaide and the Crows on Friday uh, Friday night. No, Friday afternoon, 2.10. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'll go um, I'll go the Crows. I'll go the Crows as well. Uh, the Bulldogs v the Roosters out at the Ponderosa. I'll go the Roosters. The Roosters as well. Uh, this is going to be an interesting uh, matchup. Uh, South Adelaide v the Eagles at Flinders University Stadium. Purely only because I've seen Woodville West Torrance twi- twice and been very impressed. I know one was only a trial game, mm-hmm. but been very impressed. I'll go Woodville West Torrance. Uh, I will go Woodville as well in a very tight contest. I yep. don't think it's as uh, easy as uh, one winning over the other. And the last game of the round, Glenelg v Port Adelaide. I'll go Glenelga. I'll go Glenelga home as well. Hey, uh, just uh, just looking over that as we were doing it, um, all SNFL games barring the Nord Sturt game on Thursday night are all on Friday. Yeah, I find that a bit bizarre. I, I can't work out why there's not at least one on Saturday. I Yeah, I I can't work that out. Yeah, uh, first time that I've seen that no, where they've all played. Well. They, they all well. played yeah. last year as well. Okay, there yeah. you go. Yeah. Um, I didn't take as much notice to the to all the other games uh, other than the Nord game yes. that would have been played on the Thursday night as well. So, yeah, very interesting that they're all played on Friday. I suppose it does give a little bit of a weekend, a lot of people away. Yep. And, I, and I get that, but yep. I still think one game should be on the Saturday. Uh, who's your match of the round for round uh, two for the SNFL? I'll go South and the Eagles. I might go Glenelg and Port Adelaide. Hopefully it'll be Nord Sturt. Hopefully it'll be Nord Sturt. Yeah. We'll see how we go. All right, mate, we move on. Cricket, uh, local Premier League grand final. Kensington champions again. Yes, I admit I spent a lot of the last Saturday down at Karen Rolton. I'll, I'll, I'll let you take the yeah. floor on this one. I saw a little bit of it online, but through I work and everything else, I will say one thing. I wasn't able to see it. The sacker, why, if the game, if you're going to play the game at Karen Rolton, have no canteen there, no coffee van, nothing. Wow. If you're going to play the game there, have start available. Or play at Parkinson Oval. Kenzie had finished you know, top, end of the minor round. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest, there would have been a lot more people at Kensington as well um, than what there were at Karen Rolton. I, if you're not going to treat the competition with the respect it deserves, don't host the final. Yep. So I wasn't happy with that. So... So just on that, um, yep. obviously the the rules are that they'd want to be playing at the best available stadium that they've yep. got. Obviously, barring you play your home final if you finish top, etc., etc., etc. So with that, is it then incumbent upon the sacker to schedule other ga- other finals around that particular Premier League grand final, 
Well, they, the other grades had finished the week before. Right. So, so this is what I'm sort of saying yeah. is that if you are having this as a standalone game, surely you want to have as many of those players uh, that are not playing because they finished the week before coming along to that game, hence the reason you would be providing services yeah, yeah, it, that it was, you would need as well. It was bizarre. Absolutely. And it was, that was the consistent comment mm-hmm. from people there. Going, this is ridiculous. You know? So, yeah. Something's not quite right there. Yeah, but- nah. Yes, it wasn't. Let's just say there wasn't a complimentary. Uh, no one made a. How many would you would expect? How many did you expect uh, there versus how many did you see there? It was probably a couple of hundred people there. Okay, probably would have expected a few more. Um, it's not a great ground to get a park. I will say that. Mm-hmm. Um, I say if that had been at Parkinson, I would have said there would have been three to five hundred there. Interesting. Personally. Well, maybe that's something that can be uh, I, looked at. On the game side of things, mm-hmm. uh, Kenzie won the toss, sent uni into bat because the way it's structured. And again, I don't actually agree, agree with this. The team who finishes minor premier don't actually have to win the game. They can draw the game right. and then win. The, so that therefore they put the pressure on uni yes. with that. As it turned out, uh, uni were away reasonably early, one for 45 when I got there. They were two for 67 at lunch. Two for 82 and then fell away dramatically. And mm-hmm. we're all out for 123. Yes. Uh, Henry Thornton for Lloyd Pope and Elliot Opie were all consistent contributors for Kensington in both innings. Yes. Uh, then Ken, um, Uni did have them two for three. Uh, Liam Greber got the first one. Bit of a doubtful caught behind down the leg side, but mm-hmm. he bowled really well, Liam Greber, at one stage. He had eight overs, two for 14, including being hit for a six. Yep. Um, And he kept going. He really put in a a fantastic effort, Liam. Yes. Superbly coached in grade five when he was at Prince's. Let me guess, Um, uh, you might have been just had a little little bit of a hand in that. Um, He was good. I chat to him at Fine Leg a fair bit as well. Um, But the crucial moment was they were three for 43, Kenzie. First ball after drinks. Uh, Ross nicks the second slip, caught mm-hmm. no ball, and that would have turned, oh. that. So they would have been four for forty three no. with their guns out, right? So Rossi then hit him, hit him well after that, and got sixty. Uh, Jake Brown in his last game, previous guest on the show, yes. made thirty. So they, they end up making one hundred and seventy odd. Uh, and uh, Uni only got 175 in the second innings. Again, they got two wickets. Liam Greber got wickets in consecutive balls. Yes. So uh, they were two for two again. Um, so back in, back in, yeah, again, but you're relying on everything going right. So Henry Thornton got the David Hooks medal for mm-hmm. his bowling. And I would have said him, Elliot Opie with the two, Rossi with his 60 odd, and Liam Greber was certainly well and truly Uni's best. Contributor for the yep. game. Uh, over overall, good to see it live streamed. Obviously on Facebook, it would have been nice to have it live, uh, you know, streamed by a, a network at some stage. But the technology that is available these days. I mean, we've done a couple of video episodes yeah. here in in you know, yeah. you know in a little studio here, and and to be able to see that on um, on Facebook. Uh, as I said, I was only able to come back yep. to it uh, briefly. 
but it did give me an opportunity and it would be nice to know what the numbers might have been with that yeah, as well. True. So you might have actually yeah. got a few more that way. Yeah. Parking is a bit of an issue, so people yeah. may have avoided the city uh, on a Saturday afternoon, Saturday, Saturday, sun, Saturday Sunday. So, All right, let's, uh, let's take a break. We'll take a breath. <laughs> we'll take a break. And uh, when we come back, we'll have a look at the soccer, the SNFLW and the rugby. You're listening to the Game On Podcast. We'll be right back after this short break. Go you, go you Reds. Adelaide United, uh, four out of the last five wins. Very, very impressive backing up uh, last Saturday night, I think it was. No, it was uh, on the – it was when – I'll be honest, it was when Nord would play. It was Friday, yeah, Friday night, because yes. Nord were getting absolutely thumped. So uh, Pete <laughs> yep. Myers and I were following the soccer gotcha. far more than what we were. I football. thought it was on the Saturday yeah. because of the uh, the other uh, AFL yes. games, but you're right, it was on the Friday yes. night. Uh, Adelaide United, very, very impressive yeah. uh, against Western Sydney Wanderers. Uh, very, very good after coming back uh, after the break for the uh, friendly uh, matches that the Australian team had. Moving into clear second spot now, only five points behind Melbourne City. Yeah, um, they certainly just continue to get the job done and continue to score goals. Um, I mean, 47 goals uh, out of um, their matches this year is pretty impressive, considering that Melbourne City have uh, 50 goals. Uh, it's probably the goal difference uh, that's... Uh, the goal, goals against that has cost Adelaide United probably top spot at this stage. Yeah. yeah, so fantastic, and let's see how they go. So big game against Sydney, Sydney FC Sydney this week. Yeah, uh, they're fighting to to make the finals, Sydney. Yeah. So it's going to be game on for them. Uh, Adelaide United just need to keep their um, foot to the uh, yeah to the yeah. floor. If Playing so. High Marsh Friday night, so there's quite a bit of um, uh, yeah, sporting activities Friday. around about Friday afternoon, Friday mm, yeah. night. Yeah, I think it's four thirty. Yep. Think start. So, uh, yeah. so the current tables, obviously, Melbourne City sitting top, Adelaide United got uh, Central Coast, Western Sydney Wanderers, Wellington Phoenix, and Sydney FC. Uh, Perth Glory a point behind in seventh. Newcastle Jets two points behind in eighth. So there's a, and uh, Western United uh, and Macarthur are all, all sort of in. Yeah, in there with a few um, opportunities still to come, but gee, if Adelaide United can win this one, uh, that, that'd be five out of their last six. Uh, certainly goes a long way to making finals, but also puts the fear in a few of those uh, sides uh, that are in the top four and top five at the moment. Yeah, no, so we can uh, only hope. Yeah. We can. All right, let's move on. SNFL uh, last week. We had uh, the Norwood beating uh, West Adelaide, thirty-three twenty-seven. Yeah, out that. at Hisense uh, yep. there. Yep. Uh, North Adelaide defeating Central Districts. A uh, bit of a interesting game out there, but we've got a new clubhouse leader with uh, knocking over the Tigers. Yeah, South now up up and amongst it, uh, and that's so Nord Norwood certainly. Um, Coming home, you know, won their last three, yep. so becoming more competitive. So, yeah. Sturt, Sturt giving the Eagles a little bit of a touch up there, seventy-two to twelve. Mm. So yeah, pretty easy win there. It is all right. We move on to round seven, mate. Uh, we've got the Eagles v the Panthers, which 
you'd expect South to continue. You would, and they're really stamping their authority on top spot at the moment. North Adelaide v Sturt. Yeah, look. Could be an interesting game, this one. Yeah, I'll go for Sturt. Yep. Uh, we've also got uh, Norwood v the Tigers out at um, Glenelg Oval there. Yeah, that's that should be a good game. Um, I may get down there for the second half. Just wait. Friday afternoon yeah. at two yeah. twenty. Yep, and yeah. we've got the finish off the round. Uh, the West Adelaide v the Bulldogs I'll Central the, Districts. I'll go the Bulldogs. I'll go the Bulldogs as well there. So we've got uh, South uh, Sturt, Norwood, and the Bulldogs. So yeah. there's a couple of toss ups. Nord Glenelg's, Nord Glenelg's definitely a toss of the coin job. I admit, I'm not sure how it works too. What Nord, uh, whether they lose a player who got picked up by Port Adelaide last night, whether that ah. comes straight away in, in Georgie Jacks. So I'm just not sure how that works yet. I I suspect. Well, that only came that, through today. So. Yeah, I, but I suspect that's automatically now a Port player. So. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So that could be a big loss for Nord. Okay, very interesting. All right, mate, we move on to the rugby. Yeah. Melbourne Storm. Uh, the coach, Craig Bellamy's come out. Ryan Pappenhausen, which a lot of people would have definitely heard of because he's an absolute gun and a jet, uh, had a little bit of an injury last year and it's taking a little bit longer to, to, to come through. It was something to do with a kneecap. Yes. Yeah, so Spent some time overseas trying to get it fixed. So we've just got to wait and see on that one. It That's is a little bit. The old cliche stuff is really is exactly what it is. You've just got to wait and see. Absolutely. Round by round. All right, let's go through the ladder. Round five. Broncos sitting top, Warriors second, Roosters third, Sea Eagles fourth, Panthers fifth, Storm sixth, the Dolphins seventh, and the Bulldogs eighth. Uh, the Dolphins probably dropping over the last couple of weeks. Uh, the new season, new co- to be new, expected. Correct, new franchise that has come in started off like a house on fire, and the last couple of weeks they've just yep. struggled a little bit. Uh, and then sitting in ninth is the Titans, the Dragons sitting in tenth, and the Knights look around the market as well. So it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out over the course of the season. And my last one that came through today was the West Tigers with their uniform. Um, they've got a uniform specially de- designed for Anzac Day. They've taken the a stock image, but unfortunately it was for American Soldiers, not oh, the Australian wow. soldiers. Um, yeah, who's going to... And this all got signed off on not only by the, the apparel companies, the NRL, the everybody that was involved. Wow. Um, a little bit of an embar- embarrassment there. Dot the I's, cross the T's, boys. Mm. Ouch. Yes. Uh, obviously, they would have liked to have not, not had anybody pointed out, but uh, it hasn't. It's made some pretty big headlines, so... Look, we we applaud them for trying to do the right thing. They're trying to honour the Anzac spirit, and obviously Anzac Day is coming up pretty soon. And and um, but yeah, the the uh, whoever's in in charge of that might need to just double check their contract because they might be getting a please explain. Wow! All right, mate. When we come back, we are going to get into a very interesting conversation with Brett Zorzi, Nord Footy Club. Great man, Zorz. You're listening to the Game On Podcast. We'll be right back after this short break. Past players, past legends, past legends.
We welcome aboard the great man Brett Zorzi. Now, you know, he's a unique person, Brett, in terms of being able to comment, uh, comment with the authority on both competitions, having played over 100 games for Northern Bull Ants and with his Nord career ending up with, for Nord, 164 games with the, in, from 2005 through 2013, couple of flags, two best and fairest, Jack Odie medal when he made sure he flattened Trent Jamont, well played to make sure he got up there. <laughs> uh, Brett, advertise the team of the year five in a state game. Um, welcome aboard, Brett. Oh, thanks, Rulebook. Thank, uh, it's great to be on. Thank you for joining us, mate. Um, let's let's go back to your junior junior career. We'll, go, we'll start off there. Where did uh, where did you play your juniors and which club and and lead us through to obviously uh, playing you know, coming Nord. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Um, yeah, played at a local club Epping. I was uh, born and bred in Epping, uh, Epping's northern suburbs of uh, Melbourne. Uh, played all the way from under tens to uh, under seventeens. Then went into the TAC Cup with Northern Knights. Uh, was lucky to win a flag in 1996 um, as a bottom age player. We had uh, Andrew Eccles, was a Crow Northern yeah, player. Yep, yep. Um, Jimmy Plunkett, uh, Lance Whitnell, Nick Stevens, Port Adelaide, yep. uh, were all in the team. So we had a pretty strong team. And uh, we, uh, we rolled New South Wales. We had Lenny Hayes, and he was only very young. He was only 16. But... Um, yeah, so we we're lucky to win that, and then the following year we we came third and lost the prelim by I think two points, which was a bit devastating. Uh, played against Chris Massey, Trent Crowe in that game. So, um, and then I suppose after after the Knights uh, went to didn't get drafted, trained at a couple of clubs, Essendon and uh, sort of Collingwood. Um, then went to Preston, played seven years at Preston. Um, they yeah, they're that, aligned with Carlton, is that right? Uh, when I was there, we'll, we were actually kicked out of the competition and then we we'll, um, got back in. Um, we will by ourselves, so we'll stand alone from – we'll stand alone all the way up to 2003, and then 2003, we aligned with Carlton. Um, I was there, so my first year was 98, so had about five years to stand alone, and then the last two years was with Carlton, uh, 2003, 2004. Um, 2003 was a we had a very good list, but um, just to the alignment just didn't work. You had players from Carlton coming down, our players not getting games. Um, so a lot of people left in two, end of 2003 and sort of broke the club a little bit. Um, in 2004, hanged around, but um, yeah, just probably wasn't the same environment. Enjoyed my time, but just wasn't the time, and then. It sort of became a bit more of a, you know, an under 21s, under 22 competition. Yeah. Um, by then I was 24, 25, and lucky enough, right time, right place, got a call to come to Norwood, and um, yeah, it was the best thing I did. Well, let's go back a little bit to there, Brett, where you were unlucky enough to get injured your second year with the Till, you know, Victoria with Till Cup. That, that certainly hurt your chances of being drafted. You know, you then played a few, few top-up games for various various clubs. Uh, a game for Carlton, where you played with Justin Madden's Guernsey there. That would have fit, fit, uh, fitted you beautifully, Brett. <laughs> you have done your homework here, Rule. Well done. Um, so, yeah, I, uh, I got knocked out in Tassie, actually, and uh, we uh, I was in I was in the Till Cup squad, but I was even – I never thought I was the certainty, but I was in the squad. 
played a pretty good practice game. And then uh, the next week, I think we had three practice games before they selected the team um, and uh, played one, played pretty well. Then the next week got flattened in Tassie, broken my, broke my eye socket, couldn't fly back on the plane, so I had to catch the boat back oh. um, a couple of days later. Uh, missed it out in the next four to six weeks, I think. So they went uh, till like they, they went the Victoria chances. Um, came back, was lucky to play yeah three games uh, with Melbourne uh, in the reserves, and yeah I played a game at Carlton uh, early on in the season. And yes, the war they were, had no jumpers and they pulled out forty four. <laughs> and went down to below my knees, I reckon, because I was only I was only weighing about seventy five kilos back then. So uh, yeah, it was a, it was a, yeah, it was pretty interesting, but uh, it was good fun. And you had a game for Melbourne, uh, sitting on the pine, starting with the Melbourne, uh, and who did you end up having to sit next to? There? Yeah, well, you yes. mate, you were very good. Um, yeah, so we I think it was my first game. No, it wasn't. Might have been my first game for Melbourne. I. Uh, I only had two on the bench back then because uh, just with numbers and obviously they were short, so they called. They used to keep call up the under-18s players to fill in. So I'm there, didn't know anyone. I sat on the bench with this guy who's coming back from a broken sternum. sternum yeah. It was his first game back and uh, and uh, it was pretty Bassett and uh, it was quite interesting. I still remember to the day that it was like one minute into the game. We were sitting on the pine and he goes, mate, i got to go to the toilet, tell the coach if he calls for me, I'm, I'm down. I'm in the room, so he he had to run along the bench up into the rooms, and I'm like, I'm 17, I'm like, <laughs> right, I'm the next man up here, and oh, he was going on for a couple of minutes, but you know, as you know, football, anything can happen. Um, but yeah, end up playing uh, one or two games with him, and uh, and as I said, sort of fate uh, ends up he ended up coaching me. You played in the Victorian VFL side too, as a as a pacey wingman too, Zors. I was on the bench and then came on as a wing, yeah. So in 2000 and, uh, 2001, I was in the squad and was emergency. Um, so I came over, I was a 23rd player. We played Adelaide at the Adelaide Oval. Um, uh, we got rolled by a fair bit, I reckon. We, I reckon we got done by about 40 points. Um, I can remember the Richardson brothers playing because there was two of them. Um, and... Uh, uh, yeah, they were just too strong. And then we actually played you guys again uh, at Adelaide Oval in 2002. Yeah, that's right. So, and I just I made this made the team for that. I was on started on the bench, came on oh, about 15 minutes into the second quarter um, onto the wings, and uh, actually played pretty well. I kept used to tell uh, the coaches, "Hey, I'm a wingman," but. Uh, <laughs> Kept on getting stuck at full back, and yes. uh, yeah, we actually uh, we had a pretty good team. We had like uh, a lot of people came over to um, SA. Then we had like uh, Pasador, Jeremy Clayton, Dipper Squally, yeah, uh, right. myself. Um, oh, there was probably a couple others as well who were in that team. Um, and yeah, we ended up winning by oh, eight nine goals in the end. Um, Pasador was good forward. He could seriously mm. play. I rated him. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was a. Uh, it was once again. He was probably in that. Same age, he was at, I think he was a little bit younger than me, but not too much. He was probably in that 23 bracket, 22 bracket, or maybe back then, maybe 20. But then, you know, you get to that stage where, you know, metropolitan footy is pretty strong in Victoria. So it's either you go back to metropolitan footy or if you're lucky enough to get, um, you know, invited to SNFL, you, you snaffle that up pretty quickly. So just on that, we'll... we'll... 
we'll uh, go into how you got to Norwood. Who approached you and how did that all come about? Yep, so I played with a guy called Andrew Hill. Um, Bullance, we got him, he's from Tassie, we got him over, oh, I think about, he only played one year with us, I think 2000. Um, played well, got drafted to Collywood after that year. Um, sort of didn't lose contact with him, but as you know, sort of, one year turned into two years. I hadn't heard from Hilly for a while, and then uh, we trained together. At, uh, we trained together at Carlton because um, when we aligned, we aligned in two thousand three with Carlton. So I did a pre-season with Carlton, um, and Hilly was invited as well. Um, so we sort of reconnected there, and then he went to Tassie and played for North Launceston with Macca. North, yeah, correct. North Launceston with Macca, and then Macca got him over. I might have, met, I might have. Met, Years wrong, but anyway, yeah. Mackett was the one that got Hilly over, and then Hilly got told Walkie to uh, get me over. And Walkie and Staz came, and Walkie, Staz, Andrew Dick, and John Neat came and watched yep. me play a game. And uh, it was it was ten degrees, teaming down sideways. I think the score was three goals to two. I think um, so. I don't know how much recruiting they did, but um, they said we saw you play and. Uh, you want to come over, so obviously you would have known about Gary McIntosh, but the opportunity to play with him would have been uh, too good an opportunity to pass up. Yeah, so um, for Norwood, like uh, I only knew really knew the name McIntosh and H, um, and I think most of that knowledge probably come from uh, the Legends games. They might have played a game and and all that, and they were talking about um, you know how good these players were mm-hmm. that they never came over and played. So I knew a little bit about them, but I didn't know too much, to be honest, about the history of the club. Um, uh, then, uh, I, but I knew Macca was, you know, with the beard. We all knew, everyone knew who Macca was. He had the yep. beard. He's a crazy guy. Um, I told my mates, I'm going to go and play for Norwood. Macca's the coach. They're like, you're going to be doing tackling drills every night. Um, you know, it's going to be pretty hard and all this stuff. And uh, I actually signed and Macca, unfortunately, uh didn't get um, yeah. reinstated. Yes. So I actually signed and didn't really know who the coach was. But mm. as I said, it didn't really bother me about that. I was just more happy for the opportunity because for myself, I was in a bit of a, not no man's land, but I, I could have stayed at Preston. Um, I was I was captain, but all my mates had sort of left. It was a bit of a strange feeling, I suppose. Um, I felt like a top-up player, to be honest. Um well, a lot of my mates were playing bush footy, which was appealing, but I saw that wasn't really ready for that. So, as I said, I was happy to go to the SNFL, um, and then I, was, I really wanted Macca to, to be coached because I thought that would be fantastic. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I was a little bit disappointed that they re- didn't reinstate him. But, um, yeah, and everyone I speak to reckoned he was superb. It was just uh, the club was just in a really big, big hole at that time, um, you know, 2003, 2004, 2005. Probably wasn't the greatest period for Norwood off field, to be honest. Uh, no social club, mm. lockdown. You know what I mean? It was a pretty, pretty tough yeah. times. Yeah, I think Macca was just in the wrong spot, at the wrong time. I reckon if he coached earlier or later, he would have been the, the, the gun. Well, that's what a lot of the players tell me. And then easily the highlight of your first couple of years was the uh, the elimination final win, where uh, Tex Tex lit Adelaide Oval up against. Uh, and Gags dominated against Port as well in the midfield, but that was a fantastic day. Yeah, so uh, going back a bit, I, 
I was pretty successful. Like always played finals as a junior, and then uh, 1998 was my first year of um, senior footy, and we played finals at Preston. And then from 1998 to 2008, I never played finals. So I had, I had a 10-year stretch. Yeah. I was not playing finals. So then, oh sorry, 2007. Then when 98, uh, 2008 rolled over, and we made the the final. Um, yeah, it was a pretty big occasion. Not not only. The first final uh, for myself for a long time. Uh, it was, you know, Norwood Port, Adelaide Oval. It was a big day, and uh, yeah, we we're very lucky that we had Tex. Um, he definitely he turned it on, we, didn't he? We turned it on. We we very much relied on him um, back in those days. Um, I think he enjoyed his footy because we we gave him a fair bit of supply, and uh, he always seemed to kick a bag for us. Um, yeah, he kicked seven that day, and um, that was actually a pretty good. That was actually a good game to watch as well. Like the ball, the ball yeah, was zooming around, around both yeah. ways. Yep. Yeah, and there was it was you know we had a nice lead, but it was it was never comfortable. But um, uh, I think we might have won by 15, 20 points. I can't remember, but it was just sort of in control, but not in control type of thing from memory. And Tex was definitely the difference. And then after some you know days, dark days at fullback, where it wasn't, where it was just. I don't care who it, who it have been, yeah. You know, that game against Central was a, you know, could have had David Dench and Roscoe Glenning at fullback and it wouldn't have mattered. Um, you finally, in 2009, when uh, Jared Cotton moved you into the into the midfield, mate. Yeah, well, as I said, I uh, sort, of, sort of was a, I was a midfield backman type thing, um, player when I first came over and then sort of just, to be honest, I wasn't playing great footy when I first came over in 2005 and went from half-back to back pocket to sort of full-back and sort of started consolidating the spot because I was thinking at one stage I might be even on the outer here. So, And then all of a sudden, full-back became sort of my spot. So, But always in the back of my head, it was like, oh, I can help out the midfield here. I can play on the wing. I can do rotations or whatever. But in saying that, Football's changed a lot back then. You know, you weren't rotating off the bench that often. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, even I was chatting to Hilly and he was like, look, we want to have a pretty good spine. That's like he was all about having a good full back, centre-half back, you know, sentiment, centre-half forward, full forward, and you build around that. Um, so um, he saw the – during pre-season, not dangled the carrot a bit, but I was, always knew I was playing the back line, but – then we, yeah, you know, we play against Sturt and goes, look, you have to play against Chambers, and then, you know, yeah. or you know, and then, then the next week, our passes one, and all of a sudden, he's just playing fullback constantly. So, um, uh, yeah, at Cotton, when Cotton came on, he, uh, yeah, he was, I was keen, and he was keen to, yeah, you know, try something different. Obviously, because uh, he was in a ta- caretaker role at that stage, wasn't he? Yeah, so he was assistant coach for the year, and then took over. Um, we had a. I still look back, 2009, we had a very good list um, and we were just, I don't know, we just couldn't click, couldn't click. So um, I think Cots was decided to let's change it up a bit. So he threw me in the middle and then I was like, this is my one chance to get out of full back. So let's <laughs> let's make the most of it. So uh, went 100 miles an hour, I reckon. Pretty decent carrot. And, uh, and, then, and, then, when, and then when Freddie came, I'm like, all right, I'm either going to, get the flick because I was 30, I was 31 then, I think. Um, I'm like, I, I could get the flick here. I could be back at fullback. I, who knows what could happen. But he, he, he sort of said, look, it, 
it's your position till uh, yeah, and see how you go. And and then 2010 was probably one of my best, better years, or probably my best years, to be honest. You, you know, we started a bit slow, and then yeah, once everyone sort of adapted to Bassett and learnt Bassett's structures, you know, he was ahead of everyone else and all that. And really, you know, the prelim final where uh, you kicked a vital goal against the Eagles, a, a, a real clutch goal from fairway out, and then the lovely side of Nick Diagon playing in a back pocket, sneaking down to kick the winner to kick us the winner. And then the grand final, we had no luck with Simon Phillips uh, and Weathers hitting the goalpost. Uh, I did teach his daughters about how to swear about that bloody goalpost. Um, yeah, so we, we were that, pretty that unlucky in 2010. That was from 55 as well. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It was certainly Weathers' longest ever kick in his life. Yeah. Um, that wasn't wind-assisted? Yeah, it was a tad. Yeah, we'll keep that quiet. <laughs> okay, no worries. Yeah. So, uh, um, yeah, and then, you know, 11 was a little bit disappointing, but away we went in 2012. You know, it was a, was a great was a great year. Uh, also, I've got to admit, just really most relaxed I've ever been turning up for a, for a grand final. Um, but actually, in which year? 2012. 2012. Yeah, just hey, crazy. What's that? Crazy if you're relaxed. Yeah. Oh, look, I just I just thought there was no way in the world we could play that game. A hundred times, and while West Adelaide still kept trying to play defensively as well, we were yes. better than them defensively. I just, I, I, it was funny. Out of that day, just purely by fluke, I'd been in a coaching clinic the day before and taking gear back to Trudy Barker's uh, place, and Michael Barker, who had played for uni, played at Nord as well, and so I knew Barks pretty well, and he was assistant coach at West Adelaide. And I and I said, Barks, if I was you guys, I'd start with a seven-man forward line. And he said, Rulebook, I couldn't agree with you more, but he'll be too – he'll be – he just won't. He'll be too stubborn. And we were just better than them defensively, and it was just, yeah, very relaxed. Um, and I just felt yeah. we were always in control right from the first second of that game. Yeah, well, yeah. Going back like 2010, uh, yeah, we we took we we took a while to get going, and then we won eight in a row. We lost to Sturt, and then we won eight in a row, and then we lost lost the Bays at the end, and then yeah. So the yo-yoed the finals. Um, uh, we had a good team. I just think we we probably we were a little bit unlucky in the grand final, but that's how grand finals go. We gave it a good shot. Um. And uh, we probably just didn't believe that we were probably good enough. To yeah, um, I agree with that. Probably just didn't have that self-confidence. Um, looking back now, um, where and in 2011, like that's probably the one that hurts the most. Even though we lost the grand final in 10, 2011 hurts because yeah. we actually pretty had a pretty good team. We just didn't. Once again, we copped a lot of injuries as well. Bryce Campbell did his knee in the final. I think we. Yeah. I think uh, I think from game to game we had like probably five changes each game. Um, we were dropping like flies, but um, still we 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 bet Woodville by ten goals, lost to Centrals, lost to Woodville by ten goals, and then they won the Granny by one yeah. point. I think so. Yeah. It was a, re- a real strange one. Um, but yeah, 2012. Um, uh, yeah, we were the best team, and we had a good. We weren't cocky, but we had a good confidence. We only lost two games for the year, and one of those games was North Adelaide, where Georgia got tripped uh, yes, 50 metres out right. from goal. Yeah. Um, and the other one, we beat in Westies um, all the way, all game up until about 
oh, ten minutes in the fourth quarter, they just they just kept picking us back. But we got I think we were like yeah, you know, twenty points up a quarter time, ten points up at half time, five points up at three quarter time, and then they just sort of just got hold of us um a little bit and we lost by I don't know, fifteen points. Um but and no, I reckon I reckon that was lost, so we sort of had a good confidence going in. Um but I wasn't as confident as you, I can tell you that. I just <laughs> you just knew that the game would be um, you know, the press was saying it's gonna be a boring game and I remember because I was captain that day. I was like, "Well, yes. Sydney, Sydney, and West Coast uh, um, uh, were playing ripping finals at series then, and they were only scoring ten goals, ten goals a game. So I was like, it's going to be like that. It's going to be goals a premium, but um, it would. It's going to be, you know, red red hot contest. So um, when Jerry Jericho kicked those goals, I just got a little bit more relaxed, and that was more of a relief, I suppose. That yes. we, uh yeah, you know, finally did it. And so, didn't your voice was, hold up? That was what I was going to say. Go, the go. Uh, the uh, West End uh, ceremony. Uh, I've got a YouTube video yes. here that uh, I've looked over yeah, today, yeah. and you're in fine form, mate. Still don't know how to delete off YouTube. I'm, I'm <laughs> um, but yeah, I was. Uh, yeah, it was a big year. Like, uh, like we lost. We lost Kieran McGinnis early on. Yes. Um, yeah, poured it. Uh, so then. Yeah, so in like yeah, he was a captain and best player. So, um, and in a funny way, it made us gel, gel together and um, gel strong. And you know, I took over as captain pretty much early on. Anyway, um, so I think I think it all it all came to the end around that brewery. I just you know didn't have no sleep. I was I was yelling I was yelling all through the game because as I said, I was just wanted to get that premiership because. A lot of hard work had been done in the last 15 years with you know, ups and downs in the club and we were expected to win and sometimes they're the hard ones to win because you are expected to win. So, yeah, maybe overdid it a little bit on Sunday, Monday <laughs> night and, yeah, paid the, paid the consequences for on Tuesday. Or, we don't begrudge yeah, you that, mate, at all. I do think <laughs> back to that, the grand final night in 12, sitting with Muff in the Mayor's Parlour and just thinking, Jesus. this if ever a guy, the steely eyes, that he was obviously disappointed. He was wrapped, we won. Don't dare get, you know, no, no, don't anyone dare get the wrong points there. But geez, he, the steely eyes that 13 was going to be good luck. Look out, look out for Kerry McGuinness with 13. And yeah, and come 13, we go through the year really well. And, you know, Fascinated with you, where it looked like you, you know, you'd hurt your knee, and it looked like, you know, down in the rooms that could be it. And tell us then what it was quite incredible, really, what happened with your knee that day, Brett. Yeah, well, yeah, going back with Muffa, like with yeah, with thirteen, um, I, I was I was going to retire in two thousand twelve. We won the flag. I was thirty three, um, and I was I was really you know fifty fifty thinking about pulling the pin, um, and I just hadn't. My second daughter was yep. just born in December, but um, in the back of my head, I'm like, we've got Kieran McGuinness coming back into the team. Um, we've just come off the flag. Uh, I think Darren Fyfer was coming back uh, yes. just to play with some mates. And I'm like, I think we're just going to be even the better team next year. And I, uh, yeah, as I said, we're starved for success. So I was sort of, I was, a bit, I was sort of just wanted to play another year. So I'll, um, 
which I'm glad I did because, uh, as I said, we were a better team in 2013. Even though we lost, I think we lost, we lost three games that year. Um, yep. So in the two-year period, we only lost the five games, which is pretty, pretty incredible when you think about it. Um, and as I said, and then um, yeah, I was more confident in 13 than 12. Um, but yeah, going back to that game, uh, yeah, so. Oh, I think it was about round 17 against Westies. I did my PCL. I, I don't know how I did. I think I landed on the ground. And it, it's the one that the Ruckman do when they knock yeah. their knees together. Yep. Um, you know, six-week, four- to six-week injury type thing or six weeks. So I was in the brace to keep it straight. Didn't play the last, you know, five games or whatever it was. Um, then uh, we had the bye. We had the bye because we finished on top. So I remember saying to Freddie, how about I play – the last game, um, even if I just play at half, just to see how the league pulls up, and then I've got a week to rest, and then we'll go from there. Um, and he got, I was not worried about my spot, but I just wanted a little bit of a match practice as well. Yep. And he's yep. like, "Well, why risk it? Why don't you just play? Why don't you just have the other, that week off, and you just be ready for the final?" I'm like, "Well, that's good confidence to know that I've got the spot in the in the final, so no worries." And then. Um, when it healed, it sort of never really healed properly. It always gave me a little bit of grief. Um, so I'm playing the game, and then just out of nowhere, just went pop about 10 minutes before halftime, and, like, excruciating pain, like, pretty sore pain, nothing. Excruciating didn't drop me, but I was like, man, that's that's yep. something serious there. It's just, just ripped it again. So I hobbled off down in the rooms and sat on the bench, and as you said, I was like, mm, this is it. This is done. Um another four to six weeks type thing. Um, and then the boys came in at halftime and I was just with the doctors and Donna and the trainers and that. And uh, it's funny, it just started feeling better. The pain sort of went away. I'm like, oh, it doesn't really hurt anymore. I had some Panadol. And uh, then we started saying, well, can I just give it a test run type thing? Like, what's the worst that's going to happen if I just get out there and go for a run? And the, the doctor said, oh, you know, you're not going to do too much more damage. It's just it's more how it's going to blow up the next day and whether you can actually run. So I started doing some sprints in the change rooms and to be honest, I actually felt better. Yeah. So I said, all right, let's give it a go. And then so I started the third quarter and uh, to be honest, I played a much better second half than first half. So knee felt fine. So then my only worry was after the game, I'm like, this is going to blow up yep. like, blow like up crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, come Monday, it was no swelling, no nothing. So it was real weird, real weird. Some would and say the bit... adrenaline can kick in a little bit there, but it sounds like it, it kept going. Yeah, yeah. And as I said, and it never swelled up. And uh, I, I didn't train that week just for precaution, but then trained the next week and uh, she was right to go. So um, it was almost like I needed it to re-break to, to or re-snap or yeah. whatever it was to – make it feel better and haven't had an issue with it since. So, yeah, it was a weird one. But, um, yeah, I was just worried a bit of match practice and a bit of form. But, um, you know, I was on the bike swimming quite a lot. Um, and I was on the pretty – pretty. Um, it's amazing because you always say I'm going to try to lose some weight for footy, but it's always hard to lose it. But when you know you're on top of the ladder and you've got a final coming up, it's amazing how um, – dedicated you can be yeah so so moving then forward to the grand final um obviously uh, you were keen to to win another one oh yeah yeah of course um, <laughs> oh, but, everyone um, is but you know yeah, sometimes yeah. you've won one 
the uh, the 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 goal is to go back to back, and and obviously you made a, a point of it and came out to play. That's yeah, for I'll, sure. I'll make yeah. a point there, where right. Brett, you really came out to play. The, the big one, North were getting back in the game. The third quarter was uh, slightly, uh, you know, nearly right in the middle of the ground, slightly the golf course end, and just a ball, a fight, a loose loose possession ball to compete. Brett competed against three roosters and forced the ball up. And it was a, just a vital stage of the game. And, geez, this guy's come out to play. And the desperation, you set the example, you, you know, came through, you made sure you, you flattened Trent Jumont, get him out of the way for the voting of the Jack, Jack 80 medal before halftime. But in all seriousness, you, uh, you know, geez, you went out in style, mate. Yeah, well, as I said, I, my knee felt great, so I, I felt pretty good going into the game. Um, um, then the, what we're going back with the hunger, we 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 had like a not a pack, but we knew Muffa was. We wanted to win for Muffa. There was um, Matty Fuller was the other one who didn't play in two thousand twelve, yep. um, and he was in. So that we had a lot of reasons and ammunition, like we need to win for these guys. Um, and the belief was amazing. Even like you, you think or you hope you can win, and then and that and when you think of the centrals teams, a lot of the times they weren't in winning positions, but then they just believed that they the belief, win, yep. and they just the belief took over almost. And it was a bit like us. We we just believed that I, I believed that we were a better team in thirteen, and I actually believed that we were going to win that game. Um, uh, so it was. And that's why I hope now that the, the Norwood, this year's Norwood team, it's like hopefully last year's Premiership has given them belief that actually we don't we don't hope that we play well. We actually know we're a good team. We've won it. Let's, let's you know draw on that and bring it bring it out again type thing. Um, but yeah, so the twelve. Oh, sorry, back to thirteen. Um, yeah, we uh, we have we have a lot of people that we want to win flags for. North were coming pretty hard at us. In, they were actually all over us in the third quarter. They just they actually missed a few yeah, chances they themselves. Um, we, as you said, had a nice little buffer, but it was getting a bit tense. Um, but we were coming home with the breeze. But um, yeah, it was a bit closer than what we would have liked. But um, we uh, kicked away in the last quarter, and in the end, won pretty easily in the end. But um, it wasn't that easy. I can tell you that. And the Jack Erdy medal was uh, cherry on top. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was probably lucky on that one. Uh, I, I didn't, to be honest, I didn't think I um, thought I was just consistent. Even in 2012, I don't think I, I don't think I played outstandingly well. But I, in 2012, that there was a lot of players that played pretty good, and we won by quite a lot. Whereas in, in 2013, Oregon probably played a similar level, just. There were a couple of people who were down um, on that day. We didn't have as many good players, if that makes mm, sense. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. Matty Suckling had his hamstring, he ripped his hamstring out. A couple, Matty Thomas was getting tagged. There was a couple of players who were a bit down on form. Um, and, you know, I was, oh, I don't think I played exceptionally well. I just think I, you know, I played a normal good game and, uh, you know, it was probably enough. And, you know, Ben Warren, I thought, was very unlucky, kicked four vital goals and, you know, some guys down back held us up. So, but yeah, if you if you talk about cherry on top, yeah, it was uh, it was a nice surprise, and I wasn't going to give it back. I can tell you that. Absolutely. And, uh, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it was uh, just nice to have, I suppose. Who was driving standards at at 
that stage at the Nord Footy Club. Obviously, Bass was there. Uh, any players that stand out? That yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, drove um, a lot so, of standards. Yeah, so I always think like 2010. Freddie coached us, and like he coached us hard, and because he, he the whole way we played was totally different. Even the way we trained. I remember walking off the track thinking, I've only touched the ball ten times, and I was like knackered. And we trained for about an hour and 10 minutes, but an uh, hour and a half. But there was all defensive strategies, where you're going to be, setups and all that. So it was all – everything had sort of been changed and flipped around. So he really drove, you know, the standards and everything. And then as the as the years went on, by 2012, 2013, he was, he, he was taking more of a backward step and it was the players that were actually driving the standards. Freddie was also involved, but – there was more involvement with the players telling people what to do, where, where they should be, why aren't you there, Yeah, you got to do that type stuff. And, like, you know, people like Matty Suckling, you know, he's probably the first person that comes to mind. He, he was, uh, you know, from day dot, as soon as he walked in, he was very instrumental um, with his voice and the way he, um, oh, just his persona, if like his, yeah, I actually used to stop and reflect myself going, you know, I'm, I'm not, experienced one here, I probably should be a little bit more like himself. Uh, why aren't I driving these standards like him? So, you know, it made me reflect it's just, on He had a pretty authoritative personality and then Gags was obviously the other one as well. Gags with Muff with the, with the other couple yeah, there. Yeah, as I said, we, got, we had like, we had we had our older, older heads, like probably myself, Gags, Muff, um, Benny Warren, um, you know, we were you know, all that 30 old, 30, 30 year, years old sort of Ones and then we had sort of like the next group, which was like your Jace Bode, uh, Suckers, uh, Giorgio, um, uh, Ben Jeffries, Tim Webber, all that group. So we sort of had, um, you know, the older heads, but they sort of, I would say that Suckers and Bode were very vocal, it was more gags myself. Muffer had to tell them, hey, cool the Jets a bit, or you know, maybe steer them in the right, right way because they. They probably sometimes, uh, I'm not saying overstook the line, but they, they definitely, uh, you know, were boisterous in, in their ways. Now, Brett, just quick, quickly go through. You know, so you decided to give it away. I, I admit I, I admit trying to work you over that night, trying to get one more year to get 14 out of you as well, but decided to go back to Melbourne. And you've played for a few different clubs, but we'll just give a little bit there and then we'll go, because I actually wanted to mention uh, Pete, Brett is very extremely well respected in the teaching game, and uh, let's just say there were a few to a uh, few schools who were desperate for his services. And uh, Martin Rumsby speaks absolutely glowingly of you in the in the, in that side of things too, mate. Oh yeah, cool. Um, yeah, so yeah, fourteen. As I said, I was lucky probably to play thirteen. Um, probably would have, would have loved to have played fourteen, but um, you know, it was just timing. Had to go home. Uh, going back to Melbourne with the family. Um, uh, so when I came back, caught up with uh, Bryce Campbell, who was coaching up in Albury Way, Cora Rutherglen, who have just folded actually, but um, uh, and then I played about six games with him, um, which was good, and then played a year at Euroa, which was in the uh, Goulburn Valley, which is the Shepparton League, which is where Roker and Harry Boyd are from. Yep. So, and uh, Ethan Warburton's another one from that area. So, comes in played. comes in tomorrow night too. Ethan Warburton will. Does he? We'll, just, well, so uh, he, we'll give you that. Give you that on the podcast, mate. 
Well, that's all right. Well, he's uh, he's my wife's uh, cousin. Yeah. So uh, yeah, very very interesting to see how he goes. He's been unlucky last year with his shoulder. He's yeah. actually uh, showing a bit of promise. So hopefully he gets a good run at it this year. Um, yeah, so played up in the Shepparton League, but just travel was probably a bit hard with the two young kids and then played in just Montmorency in the local league. Um, and then I got to about, you know, 38 and I was still playing. I'm like, yeah, it's probably time to give it away, I think. Um, you just, yeah, the sort of penny drops, like, what am I doing out here? Getting frustrated. You know, you can't commit as much as what you want to. And, uh, you know, I used to really enjoy training and, and that side of things and, I love my time at in I love my time at uh, local footy, but uh, it was definitely different. So I was just like, yeah, it's probably time to go. Give the youngsters a bit of a go. So the big question that all our listeners are probably waiting to hear: um, VFL vs NFL. Which which comp would you recommend as the better? <laughs> yeah, well, like I the the VFL uh, I always thought was a like an under 21s comp um it is a good competition but there's no support there's no crowds there's no atmosphere um you know my club the bull ants we don't have a gym um there's just a change room that's it like local clubs would have better facilities than than us um which is a shame because it's uh you know it services quite a a, you know a large region of kids coming through but um it's just not quite there and it's just dropped it's just it's not in the v, the vfa back in the 80s was quite big uh, but it's just dropped away um so the the snfl yeah clearly the best like if if i got two sons i'll be uh definitely uh telling them to play snfl you know the the crowds the facilities um the history um uh yeah it's it's, it's fantastic um Ethan, I remember chatting to Ethan Warburton and he was thinking about going to Werribee or Norwood. Well, not thinking. He had, he had the training invite yep. at both clubs. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, you know, Werribee's a good club, don't get me wrong, but, you know, you can't go wrong at the at, the, at Red Legs, uh, you know, or any SNFL club, really, to be honest. They're all, when you think about them, they've all got great rooms, great facilities, and, uh yeah, it's good good learning environment to play footy. To be honest, um, and that was when I actually met you. You introduced me to Ethan that night. Actually, it was you when you were back? Is that Robert? Yes. Yeah, blah blah blah. So um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so um, yeah, no, definitely SNFL. I just my only my only hope is that people keep supporting SNFL. Yeah. I just hope the Scary. the the organised the the governing body understand the importance, uh, even the government, because. You know, I've seen the I've seen the VFL. It's 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 a shadow of itself, and you just don't want the NFL to go down that way. Um, you know, you you can see a creep going like that. You know, there's less yeah. exposure in the paper, and there's this and that. Um, you know, even being called local footy, I think that's a bit of a disgrace. It's it's our footy. I mean, it's there's 125 years or something of yeah. NFL footy. It's not local. It's it's uh, genuine footy. It's tribal. Yeah, it's tribal. It's only 150 it's like, years, actually, Brett. 150. Yeah, I mean, yeah. to call really? it local, really? is, to be honest, is a is a you know disservice. Yeah. Disservice to it, and uh, as I said, we've got to probably do more to get um, uh, it back in the limelight. Um, not not just you guys, but the whole state. You know what I mean? Um, because once it's yeah, it's a it's a great product, um, and you want to make sure that it continues. 
And I'll say Brett's always been fantastic with supporters, you know, Vesta, mm-hmm. um, just always a great bloke, you know, um, Mark Robinson, you know, as the team manager, you always make time for everyone and hold in huge respect. You know, as I've said earlier, that Kieran, Kieran McGuinness, Ross Dillon and Brett Zorzi are my three most influential recruits from interstate in my 40-plus years of barracking for Norwood. Mm-hmm. So I really can't speak any more highly of Brett as a person. Great footballer, better bloke is my yep. thoughts well and truly. Absolutely. So, oh, thank, thank you very much, Rulebook. Yeah, but um, as I said, you got, uh, you know, I, I we've got a reunion coming up in ten years um, in uh, Anzac Day. So, ah, uh, Robo and I were actually talking about that earlier tonight, wondering when it was. Yeah, yep, yep. So it's Anzac Day. We've got a, a, a about fifteen to twenty of us coming over. Um, but as I said, like if we if you don't want to lose this competition, or else the next ten year reunion. Might not be, you know, might not be there. Yeah. You know I mean? or it might yep. have to, might be somewhere else. And yeah. all of a sudden, you know, they, they, you know, the competition's faded away or it's dwindled to a shadow of itself. So, um, but yeah, we're, we're, we're looking forward to it. We're, uh, we're actually going, we're meeting up, hopefully meeting up with, uh, Joe Chaprody, uh, the president, um, yeah. who's, hopefully. uh, you know, struggling a little bit, yeah. but, um, uh, you know, he was in my time at Norwood, the, you know, the two most influential. People were probably Nathan Bassett and George Brody, the coach yep. and the president. Um, yep. Yeah, there was a massive change when those two both came to the club, and they definitely steered us in the right. Well, turned us around. They didn't steer us in the right direction. They actually t- picked us up and uh, you know put us back on the podium. To be honest, absolutely. All right, we'll get you out of here on this one, mate. What are you up to these days? Yes, yeah, so I'm uh, teaching, teaching PE at the moment in uh, northern suburbs of. Uh, Melbourne, um, uh, teaching, got four kids, two, two, two young boys, uh, two old girls, two young boys, um, well, 12, 10, almost two, and just four months. So, you know, don't have much uh, <laughs> no spare, spare time, time at the moment. Um, l- lucky to get over for the reunion, <laughs> but um, uh, no, it's all good, um, but yeah, just pretty much teaching and uh, parenting at the moment. And you said the young fellas are playing a bit of footy? Big fun. You said the young fellas are playing a little bit of footy? Oh, oh no, no, they're a bit young yet, but I said when, when they're older. When they're yeah, older, yep. Yeah, I'll definitely be uh, steering them. If they've got a bit of talent, I was trying to say, I'll definitely be steering them to SNFL rather than VFL. Um, but, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Kicking, one of them's kicking the ball already, so. That's right. Got to yeah, start somewhere. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Greatly appreciated, Zorza, and look forward to catching up on Anzac Day, mate. Yeah, yeah, we'll be there, and uh, yeah, thanks for the thanks for the chat, and uh, hope, hopefully the the boys get a win this week. Um, and uh, yeah. yeah, who are they playing? Do you know who they're playing? Sturt, this week? Sturt, Sturt, Sturt at Norwood Oval. Yep, I'll Sturt be at the parade tomorrow yeah, night. Yep, be, oh, tomorrow. Yeah, it's good Thursday, so yes. hopefully a good crowd. Yep, definitely. Thanks. Thanks for, thank you for joining us, mate, and um, much appreciated for your time. Thanks, Orza. No, no worries. Thank you very much. See you soon. Welcome back. Uh, we're talking with Brett Zorzi there uh, from the Nord Footy Club and obviously his thoughts on the SNFL versus, uh, versus the VFL as well. And two premierships at Nord is pretty handy. 2012-2013, uh, uh, almost did it on one leg at one stage.
Yeah, it was incredible that he's that he hurt his knee, and by doing it, it actually turned out to help. So it was quite bizarre. He thought it was the end of his career, and then I'll give it a give it a jog, and away he went, and it was better. So yeah, really bizarre, but. Yeah, no, a great bloke, Brett, and person I have enormous respect for. Absolutely. Well, we thank him for his time tonight. Liking this podcast? Please like, rate, and subscribe. Happy days. All right, we move into happy days. Happy birthday to Formula One driver. Obviously, the Formula One uh, Grand Prix here in Melbourne last weekend. Um, Oscar Piastri. Uh, I'm not, not going to compete no. with you on <laughs> pronouncing his name, mate. Don't worry about that. Piastri. Yeah, I reckon you've uh, Australian yep. racing driver, obviously, getting his opportunity at the Australian Grand Prix and picking up some handy points. Yeah, did well. Uh couple of accidents and some time violations, et cetera, et cetera. Sort of got him into that eighth spot and picking up his points, but... Uh, very, very impressive indeed for such a young fella born uh, this week in 2001. So not bad for a 22-year-old. Pretty incredible the amount of uh, debris going in the crowd with tyres and someone caught part of the car. Yeah, I heard yeah, a guy got amazing. something caught in the, yeah, arm, in the arm and then yeah. the fans were actually trying to rip it, rip yeah. it out as a souvenir. Yeah. And then there was also a little bit of a thing about spectators were on the track oh, a little earlier than what they need or should have been. Uh, so yeah, there's some. Uh, we talked about in our uh, last <laughs> segment there uh, that someone's going to dot the i's, cross the t's. Uh, someone might need to check that one as well. I think there's a few people who could be in a bit of trouble for that. Absolutely. All right, we move on. This week in 1987, boxing middleweight world boxing champion bout Sugar Ray Leonard upsets Marvius Malvin Hagler at uh, Caesar's Palace in Nevada, in uh, Las Vegas there. Certainly, uh, Sugar Ray, but both, you know, there's certainly two really well known names. You certainly remember both mm-hmm. and all that side of things. You know, pretty incredible that we're going back there 36 years. Yep. Um, Doesn't seem that long ago, yeah, does it? No. But yeah. Fantastic. Sugar Ray was one of the greats. He was indeed. Uh, this week in 1991, a little bit of controversial one in the soccer. Argentine soccer star Diego Maradona suspended for 15 months by the Italian league for testing positive for cocaine use. Great player. Oh, absolutely. Fantastic player on the ground. Uh, certainly questionable off the ground. Please. Would you put him somewhat in the curious frame? Great talent, can play a bit. Gets himself in trouble with what he does a little bit more off. Well, not so much off the court, but, you know, gives that glimpse of talent. He probably delivered more on the ground yep. than, than Curious. Yes, you know, but I'm just sort of uh, saying, comparing that they can be two totally polarising figures, that they can be brilliant players one minute and then do something stupid the next. Yeah, look, probably a George Best, Stan Bowles, a couple other yep. you know, soccer players around the mark. Yep. Uh, similar. Stan Bowles for QPR. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. It's always interesting off the ground as well. All right, and we finish off with, in 2014, the cricket, the ICC World Women T20 World Cup. Uh, in Dakar, uh, Captain Meg Lanning's 44 from 30 balls leads Australia to 4 for 106 to beat, out, uh, to beat England, uh, 8 for 105 yeah. to win by six weeks with 29 balls remaining and their third consecutive T20 World Cup. It was a pretty comprehensive win. They well and truly 
had that game under control virtually really from, from ball, ball one. one. Yep. Absolutely. All right, mate, we're going to scoot into the big finish. Extra time. Big finish. Now we don't have a, a, a little intro for this segment, which we want to uh, we want to get made up. So bear with us on this. But this is going to be tonight the rule book rant. Away you go, mate. Carlton v GWS, the worst decision I have seen in forty five plus years of watching, being involved in footy. Bearing in mind, I also am an umpire. I'm a life member as the umpire of the of the uh, Saffle. Um, descent, it was extraordinary by the umpire. Now, let's get a couple of things here. As Australians, we always hold it the self-righteous sort of thing. Don't dare, we don't do anything wrong. You know, there's a drug accusation or or something, uh, you know, betting that, oh, no, it wouldn't have been Australia. No, 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 we don't do that. Now, we had the umpire suspended with the Brownlow betting yep. regularities. He lost his spot on on the panel. Yep. I'm saying that that decision is so doubtful and smelly. I believe the umpire should be suspended and there should be an investigation. Leave it at that. We can't we've got to cover ourselves yep, legally. Absolutely. But I I'm saying as I said in 45 plus years I've never been so angry as an umpire with that, with the per that he put himself above the game, mm-hmm. it was Kath and Kim umpiring. Look at me, look at me, look at me. I'm bigger than the game. It was a disgrace. It was unforgivable. Okay, so I'll play devil's advocate here at the yep. moment. Yep. So obviously, we don't want to send in the game because no. we're trying to set a uh, a good uh, moral standard as far as that and it, to it keep follows umpires for follows juniors. Through. Yep. Yep. yep, follows through to the junior levels. Totally get that part of it. I'm with you definitely that the decision seemed excessive. Yep. Not only at that stage of the game, but it could have happened at any stage yeah. of the game. Seemed quite excessive. Um when you look at it in in slow motion, um was there a free kick to be paid to start with? Questionable. Yeah. The player didn't exactly throw his arms up, swear, no, no, go absolutely off his banana and and and, and spit the chewy at the umpire and go completely excuse my French batshit crazy. Yeah. There was a there was a, a small shrug of the shoulders, the arms went up no higher than the hips. And he didn't even swear. He said, Oh, where's the free you know, where's the free? Where's you know, the free? free? Exactly yeah. right. It was from so, Steve Coniglio, look, it was bizarre umpiring and yeah, just not not good enough. And I'm saying against GWS or Gold Coast, I'm saying are the only two sides mm-hmm. that decision if it had been paid against the other other sixteen sides, there would have been hell to pay. Mm-hmm. Because it was GWS or Gold Coast, it doesn't get anywhere near the, the publicity. publicity. Yep, fair not, enough. Not good enough. Certainly Sunday morning on all the footy shows, Monday oh. on all the talk back, it seemed like that, that was a big bone of contention for a lot of people. Hundred percent get it. Uh are we making up Rules as we go along. I know oh. this was a big topic last year, and it seemed like we sort of sorted it out. But if we're changing, not changing rules, sorry, if we're enforcing rules on an ad hoc basis, 
the you consistency know, and the and the frustration from the players is only going to be huge, isn't it? It's not good enough. The yeah. AFL have got to show a bit, far more character and say the umpire got it wrong. Actually, show some honesty. This cloak and dagger stuff that they never they admit sat they on got the fence. something wrong. They sat on the fence with it. Purely by sitting on the fence, it showed they knew it was wrong. Yep. Not good enough. Absolutely. All right. Uh, I'm going to chime in here with yep. an umpiring decision that left me scratching my head and and you as, a, as an umpire might be able to explain it a little bit better or give it a rant if you need to. But the holding the ball decision for the Crows v. Port where Sam Pell Pepper uh, tackled yeah, Lockie Scholl, yep. uh, and there was another one almost identical at the other end of the ground, and I can't remember who that was against, but it was, I think it's Sam Pell Pepper again. Yeah. Um, those two holding the ball decisions were ridiculous. Again, it was an umpiring error as an umpire. Not a problem that Pal Pepper was there because he was standing next to a Crows player. Yes. So he, he can be in that area yes. because there is another player there. So what about the exclusion zone? Because this is where people are going to ask the question or going to question it. Because because there's a player there, right. he can be in that area. Gotcha. If the player runs off, he's got to get out the area. But the umpire, out of that, he's... Ta- it, well, the shoulder off his line. You've got to protect the player more than that, and that's the key there. It was he didn't a move shock, off his line. No, it was a shocking decision as well. Should it's just an automatic fifty? Back you come. Yep. Jesus, Sam, think. Come on, be better than that. Yes. Oh, he's paid the other way. I certainly thought that he felt. Like, I felt like he got away with a couple oh, there. There's no yeah. doubt about that. Now, again, that's an error because. Yes, while the player at the while Power Pepper is allowed to yes. be there, the area is still in the pro, still in the protected area in terms of that you can't tackle automatically. Correct. So yeah, it was crazy. He hadn't gone off his line. No. He hadn't stepped. Hadn't He'd gone ball. backwards, yeah. but he hadn't stepped no. forward. He sort of looked to turn the no. body and looked like he was going to go, and then it was almost snap of the fingers holding the ball, and you thought fifty meters, and they've. Done the complete opposite decision. How does that happen? How how does that how does that mistake happen? It's a it's it's a mistake. The first one, in terms of the GW Carlton, that's arrogant umpiring. Yep. This is an umpiring error. Yep. We all make mistakes as an umpire. Certainly, of course, we all make mistakes. But it was a poor error as well. Mm-hmm. And again, talking we're talking in a multi million dollar business too. Yep. We're not talking so we're not kicking a catch at Div Three Reserves. We're not looking to you f- or me helping yep. the club out. Yeah. Yeah. Both of them is terrible. Yep. The first one's worse. Absolutely. All, all right. So we're not looking to flog umpires here. No. We're just looking at a no. couple of decisions that have left not only us scratching our head, but I'm sure the general public yeah, as well. And we're trying to give a little bit of comment yep. on it. So we're definitely not trying to, to to flog umpires on oh, every well, decision they as make. As I said, I'm an umpire. <laughs> every decision so. that they make. It uh, doesn't matter what game you're going to go to. 50% of the crowd are going to go, that's yes. the wrong decision. 50 going to go, that was the perfect decision. Totally get it. But these ones have been a bit controversial, I suppose, as to how did we get that wrong. And, Two and, blatant errors. Yep. yep. One, Both not good enough, but at least the second one's an error. With okay. the first one... Wow. So then that leads me into my next point. So yep. let, let's take the first one out of the equation here at the yep. moment, which we've already said, yep. look, not good enough, shouldn't have happened. Yep. There's a few things with it. Let's look at the second one. Now, four umpires. Are we getting a couple of different interpretations with that? But it seemed almost exactly the same decision happened twice. Uh, it should Could be. it have been the same umpire? <laughs> Without just, looking at the footage, yeah. it could have been the same umpire. It's just an error, though. 
It, but that twi- umpire, but sh- twice though. The umpire should be dropped because he's made an error in law. Yep. And that's where you, as an umpire, with you when you got observed, if you made an error in law, mm-hmm. you generally got you, you didn't get the final. So yep. you're umpiring. Fair enough. The first semi, you then didn't get the grand final. Fair all enough. We all knew that. So in this, I'll be very interested to see umpiring appointments this week mm-hmm. to see where those two people are. Fair enough. All right, we'll keep an eye on that yes. one as it goes. Thank you very much for your uh, rule book rant tonight. As I said, we'll make a little stinger up for yes. that one there for, for future rants. Um, but certainly, as I said, we're not looking to flog the umpires. No, not at we we want to see as many people uh, umpiring it at junior level, um, you know, teenage levels, uh, local club level, SNFL level, and obviously AFL level as well. So, very much so. But we want to try and get those decisions right as much as possible. Yeah. All right, mate, we've finished a very good episode tonight. We thank Brett Zorzi for his time uh, in our um, Past Players, Past Legends segment. And as per usual, mate, we promise to do better next week. We'll certainly have a crack. All right, let's do it. Thanks, mate. Thank you. In this crazy world we live in, we all need the distraction. Enjoying the show? Like, rate, and subscribe. Hook up and connect with us on social media at Sportscast SA. We'll see you next time on Game On.